Nightline is brought to you by the Dever Team, your source for New Smyrna Beach real estate and everything else New Smyrna Beach. Go to www.thedeverteam.com and call UCF alumni Travis Dever for all your New Smyrna Beach needs. 386-690-1636. That's 386-690-1636. <laughs> Welcome to UCF Nightline, your source for UCF sports and former player information. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fegley coming to you from the 1148 studios, and this is Nightline 150. Joining me as always... Trace Trolko. Hello, everyone. Happy sesquicentennial. That's the 150th. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. Let's get our football tailgating schedules in sync. Big news coming out of Big D during AAC spring meetings. What's Memphis without quarterback Riley Ferguson? We check in with the Tigers and cargo shorts for a second straight week in... Ask Nightline, but first. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. All right, that's right. We're getting closer and closer to the season opener, and we now know the kickoff time for the game at UConn, plus two others announced this week. First of all, I want to say this is episode 150. It's a big deal. 150 times we have sat here, well, you probably 125 times. I don't know. More than that, I think. 131. Well, no, but sometimes I was on the road and dialed in. Well, still, that's a lot to do. Plus all the other stuff that we've done. I mean, yeah, I have extras, to look again. Overtimes, nightline nows, post game lives. Yeah, it's a it's a lot more than that. But the actual flagship show. Yeah, I'm looking here again at my RSS feed just to see. Does so, it give you a total tally? Two hundred and seventy-eight, excluding today. Oh, so I'll have to look up tonight an we'll, anniversary for that. The new one will. <laughs> this episode will be on the RSS feed on our total number of things will be 279. So still, uh, I can't thank Trace enough, and I can't thank uh, you all that are hearing my voice right now enough for listening to us and talking with us and interacting with us and all that. This has been absolutely a blast to do. A lot of work, but I think we've made great strides. If I look at our our data, you know, of, of listeners, we've... People listen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Last year, we really, really made huge, huge strides. And this year, we're already beating every month. Well, that's um, tremendous. Yeah. So I typed it because, you know, it's sesquicentennial's 150th, but I didn't know if there was anything for 279. So mm-hmm. I typed that in and, and something comes up on the 279th birthday of George Washington. Now, we oh. were talking about him last we week. I looked George... that up. His... Uh, Papers are archived at the New York Public Library, and there's the whole thing on his beer recipe. And that was so his that beer was recipe. all yeah. legit. I'm yeah. consuming the high stepper from a crooked can in Winter Garden. Have I'll you ever have been there? One, no. I'll have one a little later. I, I had just, when we started to start this, I got up early today and started doing a bunch of stuff, and I 
realized as I was preparing for the show, and I realized I hadn't even drank my coffee. So I, ha- I have to drink my coffee before I can drink any beer. That's just a rule that coffee I Coffee before beer, all clear? Yeah, I or think something so. like that. Yeah, well, I would think that you would be more clear. I'm not clear when I don't drink my coffee. So that kind of starts the day off wrong for me, but it's been a good day. I do have to mention our good friend Troy Anzara. I can never say his name, um, his last name. Andrzak. Andrzak, yeah. <laughs> He'll laugh when he hears this. I'm sure he's probably going to listen, hopefully. Anyway. Those of you that have been with us from the beginning remember him. He's the one that started this thing with me. He had to have some surgery this week and has had a little difficulty with that. So if you can, um, keep him in your prayers, and and we'll be doing that as well, or happy thoughts or whatever you do, and uh, wish him to make a speedy recovery. He is a huge part of Night's Nation and a, a huge part of what we did here. If it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't would have never done this. So uh, keep him in your thoughts, please, and we will continue with the rest of our show. Back to talking about game times announced. So, so what do you think? Um, I know some folks are oh goodness, folks are already grumbling because you've got the FAU game on a Friday, and you've got that Temple game on a Thursday. So that represents two home games during the week, and I know people work on all, but. Goodness, you've got plenty of time to well, plan accordingly. Yeah, don't and you? you need to understand these games are, are basically national television games. And if you have to have one on a Friday or Saturday night, the Friday night games aren't bad. The, the Thursday night, when it's kind of a bummer when you have to get up and go to work the next morning. Well, I think but... ESPN, and you never know, but they seem to be indicating with that game, it's a Thursday, November 1st, 7.30 start on ESPN. ESPN's Prime looking at time. that as... This is going to be maybe a showdown in the East. And they're looking at the FAU game going, maybe this is the game, that group of five survival game, and right? The, the loser's the, probably out, yeah, right? And supposedly the North Carolina game could possibly even be on uh, ESPN or ABC. With a so, noon start. We know with that With a noon one. start, yeah. That could be the noon ABC game. That's good. So I they mean, seem <laughs> to be indicating some of what they think. Of course, scheduling, you know, the team's... What's the, what they actually do, the networks don't know. But you see when they go to build a schedule for NFL games, which ones are in prime time. If the team doesn't work out, they didn't know. They put the best combination of teams together. And right. They think the Temple game is going to be a, a showdown in the East. Yeah. So it's two home games. It's a, a Thursday and a Friday there. They're night games, starry night. Everybody can bring out their cell phones yep. and plan now. Take yeah. off. You know, yeah, the campus I will mean, shut down in the afternoon on those days. Should be be big plenty of tailgating. I love these late games. I love the evening games because there's plenty of time to tailgate. Except again, it's a Thursday. I can drink a lot of beer between (laughs) noon and 7 p.m. I can drink a lot of beer. I'm sure you're not the only one. Uh, Anyone (laughs) listening can probably uh, attest to that. And we will uh, have some stuff going on this year, hopefully, for our tailgates. We'll, We'll get some tailgate action going. We were talking about it, you were talking on Twitter, at UCF underscore Nightline, with several of uh, Nightline's listeners, but we're talking about coming to North Carolina, yeah. Chapel Hill on the Friday, yep. and doing something. Uh, what that means, a black and gold invasion somewhere, but I think we should I think plan to meet a lot of folks. I think, from what I understand, our, our friend Carson Engel has a thing that he's, planner. that he's planning to take over someplace on Friday night there, and have a little cocktail hours 
I would never say <laughs> never, cocktail yeah. hour with, with Carson, especially. It will be cocktail hours. Well, he put together a big shindig in Atlanta yeah. uh, for the Peach Bowl. I so. think he's planning on doing you know something fairly close to that uh, here in North Carolina. So. And then that's a good uh, way to have a breakfast-themed tailgate Absolutely. on the Saturday morning. Yeah. And then you're planning a Nightline Post Game Live I'm following do the game. I'm going to Game Live from North Carolina, from the parking lot there, if, if everything works out. We'll talk a little bit more about what I'm going to do with Post Game Live for the rest of the season a little bit later. Not in this show, but there will be stuff coming up about that. But anyway. So plan now. And I know you've had conversations with people on Twitter. Uh, we, we're really looking forward to, to seeing you in Chapel Hill and getting together and putting faces to uh, Twitter handles. And, Absolutely. I uh, know a lot of players' families are going up there. It'd be great to meet some of those folks as well. And I'm looking forward to it. Pieces are coming together. And you know that opening music. Yeah. Time's slipping away. We're, this summer, you know, it's, it's moving. It still, it's to me, closer. seems like an extremely long time no, away. No, it's moving. It's moving. Uh, I'm not... Not at all ready for it to start as far as getting all this stuff together, but I am totally ready for football to start. So uh, we're, we are watching some, a replay of it's some Canadian, Canadian football here. Any we, of our guys? Well, yeah, because we're watching Toronto, which uh, Plummer and Troy Davis and maybe another guy. And then we're watching Hamilton Tiger Cats. Their big story this year is that Johnny Manziel is their quarterback. Uh, one of their quarterbacks. He is not the starter yet. But, uh, yeah, we're watching that. I don't know who else. There There may be another guy on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I know that there was in the past. That used to be the team that... Uh, was Quincy McDuffie Quincy McDuffie was on, but I don't think that he's there now. I think... I don't know where is this he's a live at. game or a replay. Game? This is replayed. This was from Friday night. They they do a lot of Friday night games. That's that's their big night. You know, and a lot of people look at the crowd. That's huge. Yeah. Is this the season opening weekend? No, this is preseason. Oh, preseason. Yeah. That's a packed house. Yeah. I mean, it's they live for it up there, and and it's a long season up there, and it's just it's a totally different game. I love it. It's a great game of football. It's just different. So I implore everybody to uh, to watch it. If you have a chance, ESPN covers it quite well, actually, on their thing up in Canada called TSN. So are you ready uh, to to just abandon the Chiefs now? No. No? No. <laughs> Hell no, I can so say. So you can root for Seattle and Kansas City. Uh, absolutely. They, you know, they were in the same division for many years. Yeah, because know, Brandon Marshall inks a deal with Seattle, U-S-E-A. UCF yeah. West. You're going to be able to root Northwest. for them. Northwest. Northwest. Yeah. You're going to be able to root for them. Yeah, absolutely. But still your Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, the, the difference, the big difference here is that they're an NFC team versus my AFC team. I can choose one NFC team to root for. That's did, my do logic. Do they play each it. other this year? Do you know? I don't know if they do this year. They did last year at one point. Let's effort that. I think they may actually in November for some reason. I don't know. Somewhere you win either way. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna plan. I'm gonna try to go. I think in November, Seattle plays in Carolina at Carolina. Looking that schedule up Might right now. Possibly try to get to that game. November twenty-five. Seahawks at. Panthers. Oh, that's a difficult one though. That's is that Thanksgiving? It might be. 
Yeah, I don't it know. Sounds if, like it. I don't know if I'm going to make it there, but I would love to to make it out to a, a Seahawks game. Uh, maybe I I don't know. Well, I'm and then try. the Black Friday would be um, the UCF. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to work out. Let's see when that that game is. But it uh, should be the, the the day before, obviously. Yeah, no, I'm just uh, I'm trying to remember when Thanksgiving is. The November twenty third. Okay, so twenty third is Black Friday. Twenty two is Thanksgiving. So twenty five oh, okay. is the Sunday. The Sunday. Well, that that could happen. That could uh, definitely could happen. Okay, well we'll see. We might have to do Nightline on Saturday. Yeah, or something. Or Monday. Or Chiefs something. at Seahawks. Twelve twenty three, December twenty three, prime time. Oh game. yeah, right before Christmas. That would be difficult. Eight twenty start. Plane tickets, hotel rooms are all really expensive. I like at that, that point. idea going to Carolina for that game. Yeah, and imagine a lot of the people that would go to the UCF North Carolina game will descend upon Charlotte. I would think so. Uh, yes, absolutely. Though I mean, I can't. There's no way that I would ever. I am a diehard, lifelong Chiefs fan. Okay, I well, could I never, ever abandon them unless they did something that that i you know so do you have three now or do you, jacksonville seattle jacksonville kansas city? okay so here's the deal i have jacksonville's in the AFC. kansas city in the afc right yeah they're my my heart team yeah it makes sense. like if i i don't have a chief's tattoo yet but i will probably at one point have an arrowhead oh boy well because i always wanted to get the arrowhead the then then in the kansas city uh, Royals logo with the crown and a Jayhawk and, and all that My stuff. My nephew it, was just in Kansas City this and weekend I would, for a soccer tournament. I would put a knight in there, you know, a, that would somehow, be quite some design. a UCF logo, you know, yeah, all together inside of a heart or something, you know, I don't oh know. Oh my I'm goodness. I don't know. All right, at UCF underscore nightline, help design Andrew's tattoo. <laughs> there you go. What do you hey, want to see in it? Absolutely. Send us your photos. So those are the drawings. things that I need in it. Do you, uh, have, anyway. do you have tattoos now? Yeah. How many do you have? I don't know. Like more than that you don't know. I well, mean, it's so at least many that you four don't... that that most people can see. I mean, there's, but the, there's pieces to all of them. Anyway, they weren't all done at the same time. All have a um, reason and a yes. Okay. Behind. I'm yeah. I don't want to talk about this right now. <laughs> I was still getting to my. All right. So <laughs> I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. They are the AFC, obviously, team. Seattle is my NFC team, and now I live in Florida, so I have to have a Florida team, right? So my Florida team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. There you go. Those are my three teams. Three. I only and had one. isolated, yeah. like you'll root for Mike Hughes then Absolutely. in Minnesota yeah. and our various guys. The NFL has become much more fun since... You know, all these guys getting drafted into the NFL. So this is Sports Illustrated this week. They've got a photo collage of different players in their new uniforms, and they've got Traquan Smith. Oh, good. They show him. So it wasn't just first-round draft picks. They picked a collage of, of guys, and there's Traquan. No Shaquem Griffin? No. No. Wow. Just a collage of different players, some first-round cool, guys, various-round yeah. guys, and they had Shaquem in there. Hmm. I'm not sorry, Shaquem, Traquan. Traquan, yeah. Oh, oh that's good. guys. Shaquem did some cool stuff this week, though, as well. Uh, he was testing out a new controller for Microsoft, because he's got a Microsoft sponsor now as well. And, of course, the Seattle Seahawks are owned by Paul Allen. Oh. So he was testing out a, a controller that actually you can use one hand and and do your video games. And he's with, a big so. gamer. He is. Yeah. All, a lot of those guys are. But, uh, yeah, so that's cool. 
it's cool to see him in you know ads and and stuff like that. We're gonna see a lot more of it. And when you talk about that, that makes uh, all these uh, camps and the start of the NFL season much more interesting because you, you tune into the NFL networks now to see glimpses of of our guys in various places. I'm looking for articles all week long. We post on Twitter and Facebook and all of that um, on our guys yeah. doing well. It's so, great. It's awesome. So that's uh, UCF has got to be a household name now. If it wasn't before, what do it's you? Brandon Marshall, 34 years old. You think there's still some left in the tank? We'll see. I think that that's a, a great spot for him to be in. I mean, that's a big uh, shift in location for Brandon Marshall before he walked out of one office and walked into the other, basically. So that's now he's been he was with Denver, the Dolphins, Chicago, the Jets, Giants, very limitedly, mm-hmm. and now Seattle. Hall of Famer? You think he's a Hall of Famer? Oh, uh... Mm-hmm. 82 touchdowns. Possibly. I think 12,000 yards. Did he ever win a championship? No, no championships. No. Um, I don't. I mean, how many times has he been to the Pro Bowl? Uh, six. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he could be. I don't know, first ballot, but I mean, it's possible. I think he would have to win a championship. Uh, I don't personally. know if he's going to do that in Seattle. Yeah. You never know. You never know. He's one of six players in NFL history to catch at least 100 passes in three consecutive seasons. Well, then that might be it right there, then. I don't know. I don't know if that's Hall of Fame worthy or not. I don't know. But, but I mean, a good career. It would be nice. 34. Uh, I don't think UCF has a player, and Culpepper's not in the Hall of Fame, is he? No. Yeah. Six-time Pro Bowler. First-team All-Pro. Second-team All-Pro. I mean, who would be the the most prolific player from UCF that went through the pros, Brandon Marshall would have to be it. One of, and, one or, of. or maybe that would be considered, uh, I guess the interesting question then maybe is who Prater, would, I mean, because Prater of, would seem to me to be a guy that, uh, yeah. could get in as a kicker, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Sitton. Well, yeah, been around for a long time. I mean, but maybe the kind the of career Bowl. that would be, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, That's interesting. A, it yeah, is an interesting, interesting question. <laughs> I just kind of, well, it's not, um, uh, it's not Dante Culpepper. No. And Kevin Smith's career was short. And yeah. uh, I mean, there's been pockets of success in the NFL, but to get to rise to that level. I saw something on Twitter. I think that you reposted it. It was it was comparing Peyton Manning and mm-hmm. Blake Bortles, which Bortles is up on the on the stats quite a bit there as far as their first four years in the in interceptions and whatever. We thought that Bortles has thrown bunches of interceptions. Peyton Manning threw Not compared a lot to more. <laughs> of course, a lot of uh, the last couple of seasons, a lot of Blake's stats have been those fourth quarter garbage stats when the team's been down. But he has he wasn't on a good team, right? I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know. Well, he did a heck of a job Manning. last year. We'll see what they do uh, now after this year. Yeah, when I think that he felt that his career may have been on the line last year a lot, that probably helped him quite a bit. So he's uh, back to Brandon. Nine hundred fifty-nine receptions, forty-one away from a thousand. Yeah, and eighty-two well, touchdowns. I don't see him getting to a hundred touchdowns. Yeah, he'd need two more seasons. I mean, again, you never know. Doesn't mean Some his of these guys over. gotta no, stay healthy. I mean, what is a two oh one year deal worth two million with incentives? If he makes with all incentives, the incentives, yeah. But still, he may be back for another year there. We'll see. I mean, they needed another target, so I, I think he fits in pretty well there and could have a really good chance of doing well. So. Fourth round draft pick, back when he was picked uh, with the Broncos. Yeah, 
Well, he's been a heck of a fourth round draft pick, I think. So, well, it was uh, not a big shock this week. Uh, UCF baseball does not go to the NCAA postseason. You know, that 0-2 flame out in the American tourney really sealed UCS fate. We posted it as a nightline extra during the week. Uh, instead of chopping up sound bites from Coach Lovelady, we played the whole 20-minute interview. Mm-hmm. He was very candid, yeah. as real as you're going to get, uh, and took responsibility. There were some interesting things that Did he you said listen? in you listen there. To- I listened to it, yeah. The part that got me was that he called out the guys that were... Uh, that were kind of a cancer in the well, locker room without names. saying, yeah. yeah, but he said that there was some, yeah, you don't hear that a lot in college sports. Really? He peeled back the curtain a little bit to yeah. show us of what, what do you think on. of that? Uh, I think it was, uh, telling and interesting. Um, do you think that it was necessary for him to say that? Or do you think that that hurt his, mm. in your eyes, did that make him any different to you for saying something like that? He gives you he he like all coaches gives you some coach speak yeah. in post game, but he wears his emotions and he uh, he's upfront about uh, mistakes that he makes. And I asked him if this was his most challenging year. You know, he'd been at Wright State and right. other opportunities along the way, assistant coaching opportunities, and he said probably because he thought this was a team with talent and they could never quite put it together. I remember him saying that in the in the beginning. You know, this is the most talented team that I've ever coached. He said. Well, it brings up, we got an Ask Nightline question or two about UCF baseball that we'll get to in a little while. I think it is an interesting question. Um, he didn't name names, but he did name who he was looking to to be leaders and who were his hustle guys. So it was uh, interesting who was omitted. And you've got several guys. The MLB draft is coming up uh, this week. And uh be interesting to see which guys, they're going to lose a lot of guys, which is which is great, right? I mean, but if you, uh, the difference, that old George O'Leary line, right? The me guy and the team guy, or you a me guy? If you're interested in your stats and your positioning in the MLB draft, maybe you're not quite the team guy. And he seemed to point that out a little bit, guys, maybe looking at their own stats. The Major League Baseball draft is much different, though, than like oh, the yeah. NFL draft. I mean, you can be on a farm team. You can be drafted number one and, and never hit the field for five years or or more i mean there was a kid in kansas city from my hometown that got drafted by kansas city at the top i don't know if he was number one or number two or something like that but he's never been in an actual royals uniform on the on the he has in in spring ball and stuff like that but he's never made it onto the there's something like maybe 40 he's rounds. been on the on the roster like one game or something like that but not very much he's been stuck in the in the lower leagues for quite a while. So always thought that he would make it out there. But so we have some clips though, right? Yeah. One of the people we're going to hear from the first one is pitcher Cree Finfrock came back from, uh, you know, a serious arm injury and surgery had a, had a really good year. Watch for his name in the MLB draft. Uh, expect him to get picked. Now, whether he decides to come back, whether he likes his draft selection or not, the bonus dollars that come with his particular slot or decides to come back, I would say going in, not to expect him back. But he comments on, uh, you know, uh, this uh, this not being the season that they were hoping for. Coach always talks about just like games here and there that we just kind of drop, just let slip through our fingers. Um, uh, he always talks about it. There's a number at the beginning of the season, just those kind of games that we just kind of slip through and not uh, really kind of hammer down and just uh, uh, put it into the bag. It just uh, just one number less, and 
at the end of the day, we're the last last four team, uh, last fourth team out, and uh, uh, any of those games could have counted right, and and uh, would have uh, could have put us in. Do you think a win last week would have been that one that might have gotten you in? I, I can't say that it would have been, but I mean, it really probably could have helped our case. I mean, going zero two in the tournament didn't really help our cause. We really need to go in there and uh, kind of establish ourselves again in the, in the league again, and um, it just we just didn't do our job. Well, that's for sure. 35-21 and 21 on the season. Now, Creep may have played his last game as a UCF Knight. Another one for sure, as that MLB draft takes place, is um, our one-year pitcher, one-year UCFer, J.J. Montgomery, came in the junior college route. Uh, had a pretty good year. He's been drafted uh, the last couple of years. He expects to go high. To be honest with you, this is literally like my fourth year in a row dealing with it, so I'm kind of like numb to it. I'm just ready to hear my name called, and wherever it's called, and whoever drafts me, they're just going to get a guy that's ready to play baseball. Confident, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that was kind of a weird clip because it was almost like he was whispering, and then he started, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. But well, you know the dynamics for all these interviews are, are odd. Yeah. Around. I'm trying to shield the phone so the wind doesn't blow on yeah, well, it. Well, that, that was the, there was no tractor, there was no, no lawnmower, <laughs> there was no golf cart in that one, no music playing in the back. I, I liked it. You were disappointed. I was a little <laughs> because bit. Because I know you're dialed into audio and you oh, don't man. like disruptions well, it's in just, the audio. I like it to be clear, as clear as possible. So, gotcha. so uh, we'll have more to talk about on the MLB draft coming up this week. Um, also nice, and I, I, I love this part, is that we got another five-star review. Oh, you like that now? Thank goodness. Remember, we just had our one negative Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not, I think I've said it before on here, I'm, I'm not real big on reading our our reviews on on here but i'm glad that people i guess if you write a five-star review yes we'll, we'll say it on here it's good for you guys to to get props for doing that then again i just worry about the not five-star we read the one though yeah well we'll read those too i guess so if we'll you leave a love. review we'll read it on here there you go how about that we'll just keep it at that so you want to read it or you don't want to read it uh, You're go not ahead. comfortable reading? Go ahead. Osceola Knight, Andrew and Trace do an excellent job covering UCF sports, especially football. Great interviews with players, coaches, and personalities. You must lif- listen if you're a UCF fan. Well, that's good. I mean, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Happy sesquicentennial. Yeah. Did you know that? That was sesquicentennial? I had no idea, no. I No. 150. Okay. All right, rate us. We like those reviews. Thanks much. The AAC is on the move. Bye-bye, Rhode Island. We check in on the league's spring meetings with a beat writer from Dallas when your source for UCF Sports Talk and information continues. Hey, this is Travis Dever, Kai's Real Estate, the Dever team, New Smyrna Beach, your source for real estate and everything else, New Smyrna Beach, proud sponsor of Nightline and Nightline Post Game Live. Call me anytime at 386-690-1636. That's 386-690-1636. Let me show you my hometown, New Smyrna Beach, UCF's favorite beach. Go Knights and charge on. The American Spring Meetings took place in Dallas, the league's future new home. Let's talk about what's making news in Big D with Adam Grossbard, who covers SMU for the Dallas Morning News. Adam, thanks so much for stopping by Nightline. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
So let's talk about that. The league announced that in a couple of years, it's going to be leaving Rhode Island for Dallas. That's good for you. Uh, Yeah, it makes it a little easier for me to get to some stuff for sure. We'll talk about the importance of the league's relocation to a state as prominent and important in the college football landscape as Texas. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, Providence made sense back when it was the Big East, but now that it's onto the American Conference, um, you know, you're kind of trading one periphery of the conference for another. You're still, you know, it's not exactly centrally located, but at the same time, Dallas is much easier to get to than Providence, and it gives the conference the ability to go and lobby in person a little bit more with things like the college football playoff. Uh, you've got the Big 12 offices there, Conference USA. So you're kind of in the middle of a power broker area for college football. Your article this week's titled Commissioner Mike Oresco on American Conference in Year 5, Upcoming TV Deal, and Next Steps in Power 6 Campaign. You sat down with him. Uh, what are some of your key takeaways? Basically, the conference feels like it's in a much better place than it was five years ago, back when you know a bunch of the old Conference USA conference uh, teams were joining up with the old Big East teams, while you're seeing a bunch of the Big East teams split and go a million different directions. Louisville and Notre Dame to the ACC, Rutgers to the Big Ten, and so on. So right now, they feel like they're in a much better negotiating place just based off of the quality of the league. Uh, Oresco brought up UCF a bunch of times during that interview because of what they did with their uh, undefeated. uh, And, you know, I I like the national championship slogan for them. I I think it's cool. But, uh, you know, that definitely put a much better – branding on the conference than they had five years ago back when, you know, I guess Houston was the best football team in the conference and maybe Memphis, but even then they weren't really nationally prominent the way that some American programs are now. Did Oresco mention national champions? Did he actually say that that we were using that and we were claiming that title? Because when we talked to him, he, he really went around it quite a bit. He described it as the national championship thing. He didn't didn't say, like, UCF's the national championship or anything like that, but he acknowledged that it's become part of the conversation for the conference at this point and for the, you know, the landscape in general. Everyone's going to watch UCF start this season and see what they do to follow up on that. Well, you mentioned that you agree with it or whatever. I mean, however you want to say that. What do you think about that claim? Well, I think it's a little silly that you can have the only undefeated team in the country at the end of the regular season and you don't give them a chance to win a championship. So if they're not given the chance to win the championship the way that uh, it's been deemed proper by the CFP, if they go and they win and they stay undefeated for a full year and they are where they are in the rankings, I, I think it's perfectly legitimate to declare a national championship because, frankly, schools have been doing this for decades. Uh, half a century even like that's really not out of the ordinary for college football and you know it it doesn't hurt anybody but it's interesting because we've been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with all these fans from all these these schools you know especially Alabama fans and they're like oh you know the sky is falling UCF says they're (laughs) national champions but they, it's obvious that these people have not gone back in history or they're not college football fans for very long because they would understand that this has been done many, many times. It's a very regular thing, by, actually. Right, and by schools like Alabama, too. It's not unheard of. I mean, pretty much any school 
that has one national championship from like the 50s through the 70s or even 80s, chances are that championship is not undisputed. Someone else has claimed the title that year. You can go all the way back. I mean, not even that all the way back, like what, 15 years ago when USC was claiming a national championship when it was left out of the BCS title game. Like it's pretty common in college football history. So I don't think, you know, I don't see the difference now. Did Oresco mention anything about maybe putting a little bit more pressure on that committee to, you know, open their, their eyes and their doors a little bit to the power six versus uh, just the power five? Uh, nothing in particular. He was really just talking about how he wants to see a good showing from the conference and their power five opponents this year. He said, I think there's like, each team has two power five opponents this year. And so he wants to just see, he understands this will be a difficult year because a lot of the power five uh, games are on the road. Like for instance, I cover SMU and SMU is going up to play Michigan. No one's expecting SMU to win that game, but you want to see them be competitive, make it entertaining television so that when they're going through these TV deals, you know, there's stuff that they can show like, you know, even, if we're the away team, we're going to still put on a pretty good fight. Uh, Commissioner Oresco has made several big moves during his tenure, notably adding Wichita State and Navy. It seems, though, that a lot of fans are looking to what he and the league officials can do in the next TV contract, and you spoke with him about that, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier. What's he saying about TV negotiations and TV contracts? Well, it's about a year away still. They still have a year left on the deal, so unless they renegotiate with ESPN between now and then, this is the deal that you've got for a year, and there's not a ton of negotiating that can take place. I think they would rather wait and see that if the conference has another good football season, and then you can go up with, you know, we've had two strong seasons. We have another good basketball year. He mentioned he wants to see how schools like UCF and SMU do now that they'll be more healthy in the coming season. And uh, I think he views... You know, another good 2018-19 school season can only help with the negotiations for the TV deal. Earlier you mentioned uh, your support for UCF's national championship claim. (laughs) We're in a bit of a bubble, obviously. We talk about UCF. We have very supportive UCF fans that follow us on social media. What do folks at SMU that you cover regularly say about this? And what's your sense there of the other schools, particularly the Mustangs, acceptance of this? Well, I think when the final playoff standings were announced, there was a pretty general consensus among SMU fans and players that UCF deserved more respect than it got in the playoff rankings. And so when you, and that's kind of going to happen across the country, the conference. So there's going to be a certain degree of solidarity where, you know, if, if you feel like a member of your conference has been cheated and then they go and they, beat Auburn the way that UCF did, then you're going to enjoy the fact, yeah, our, our conference is legit. Our conference can do X, Y, and Z along with the big boys. So I think, you know, I, I don't think there's anyone at SMU that, you know, disrespects that. I mean, SMU themselves have a, a quite a few uh, contested national championships uh, with other schools where SMU was left out of the big game and had to settle for a secondary game like the Cotton Bowl and uh, declared a national cha- declared themselves national championships after the fact. So I, I think there's definitely a certain American Conference solidarity there. Well, that's good. And, and props to SMU because they were one of the teams that, I mean, really 
that game was very, very close last year between UCF and oh, SMU. Yeah. They were the ones really that gave uh, you know UCF a run for their money. I mean, that was a great game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you don't have Cortland Sutton drop the ball, he dropped, and Trey Quinn too. That's a yeah, it would have been a nail biter. I don't know which way it would have gone. Right. It was a good game. So I mean, I look yeah. forward to having more you know good games between SMU. I, I grew up as kind of an SMU fan back in the day. I was a big <laughs> Eric Dickerson fan. So, right. you know, SMU at that point was in their heyday. And, you know, I understand about their national championship claims, and I'm glad that they understand about ours. I would love to see yeah. the teams in the American get behind each other. In fact, the rest of the G5 schools really should be behind yeah. any of, of the G5 schools that can make a claim, really. Uh, I'd like to see more solidarity there. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like there ought to be a rule that if you go undefeated in the regular season, you deserve a playoff spot. Like, I, I just don't understand how you don't. I mean, especially if there's only, you know, if there are multiple undefeated teams, you know, maybe you can make an argument against one or two. But if there's one undefeated team in the entire country, I just don't understand how that team isn't even top 10 in the final playoff rankings. It just doesn't make sense, especially. Like at that point, you're probably just not watching the football because there's a lot of good football in the American Conference last year. Recently, we featured the post-spring camp comments of uh, SMU's new head coach, Sonny Dykes. While we have you on the line, what's your assessment of the Mustangs going into the 2018 season? They come to Orlando this year. Uh, They've got a tough opening stretch for Sonny Dykes' tenure because you start out at UNT, which won nine games. Then you play TCU, which is always good. You go up to Michigan. Then I believe it's Navy. Then you play Houston Baptist and then UCF to close out the first six games of the season for SMU. So really at that point, SMU's lucky if they're going two and four. They're missing a lot of key pieces uh, especially, you know, on the defensive side, on the pa- for pass rush, they lost just- Justin Waller. He's doing very well in Rams camp right now, and Mason Gentry signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Texans. And then offense, you know, we're still trying to figure out who's going to catch the ball from Ben Hicks. Sutton and Quinn are gone. Uh, James Prochet is the really only leading, only receiver returning with any kind of real experience. Everyone else is either young or they transferred from somewhere else it's just you know it's kind of a mess you're gonna have to rely a lot on xavier jones the running back who rushed for a thousand yards last year uh but it's definitely going to be a rebuilding year for smu i think if they win six games that's a successful season for this team well we appreciate you talking to us about smu and as well the league for our fans how can they follow you on social media and keep tabs with your articles on smu (laughs) Oh, you can either go to sportsdaydfw.com or follow me on Twitter at Adam Grossbard, G-R-O-S-B-A-R-D. Well, thank you, Adam. We will definitely, we'll talk to you again hopefully soon, uh, maybe before that UCF-SMU game, and we'll uh, do a little preview. That'd be awesome. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Thanks for having me on, guys. Doesn't seem like he's very big on SMU's upcoming season. Yeah, well, I, I guess I wouldn't be either, really. We'll see. A lot of key losses there. Yeah, we'll see. I Like I said in there, I was a big, big SMU fan back in the day. When I was a kid, I've said this on here before, I know I have, that I wanted to play at SMU because of Eric Dickerson. He was, and then, and that was, you know, that was the heyday of SMU. I mean, they were, they were one of the big football teams back then. 
that whole Southwest Conference. That was a big deal. Until the death penalty. Yep. Yeah. Getting ready for the 2018 UCF football season. Who could ever forget UCF's AAC championship game win over Memphis? UCF travels to Memphis this season. A post-spring camp look at the Tigers? That's next. You've heard us talk about the great food at our good friend Kyle Israel's restaurant, The Little Greek Fresh Grill. The Little Greek now has franchises available. Please call 407-697-2272. That's 407-697-2272 to see what The Little Greek can do for you. Also check out The Little Greek's newest location at 3131 Daniels Road, Suite 104, Winter Garden, Florida. The Little Greek Fresh Grill. Fresh, flavorful, fabulous. All right, moving along here with our spring, uh, post-spring camp reports, I guess we'll call it. This week we hear more about UCF's third conference opponent in the fall, Memphis. Uh, the Tigers head coach Mike Norvell spoke with members of the media following Memphis's spring camp. Now more from Coach Norvell. Joining us is Mike Norvell from Memphis. Tigers were 10-3 and overall, were 7-1 and in the American last season, were the West Division champion and played in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Uh, Coach, thank you so much for joining us on the call today. If you give us a recap of how your spring uh, spring uh, has gone and, and what you expect to see as you head into the uh, summer. Very excited about uh, what I was able to see uh, throughout this spring. Um, you know, going into our third year, uh, you know, as a staff, uh, you know, the, the the players, they, they now understand the expectations, and uh, we've been able to have a, a good amount of success our first two years, but uh, you know we're, we're all hungry and excited about uh, continuing to progress and, and build our program uh, you know, to, to the next level. And to see the, the, the growth you know, physically, uh, you know, mentally, uh, you know, really in every, in every aspect of our program, I thought that, that our kids em- embraced uh, you know, the 15 practices that we had uh, you know, they, they, they embraced the work that went into them, and they did a great job of preparing uh, themselves what, throughout our winter program uh, that we could go out there and, and play at a high level. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of competition. I've, I'm, I'm really been pleased with the, the depth that has shown up, uh, you know, among that competition at each position. Uh, you know, we've got we've got a good number of returning starters. I think it's eight guys on defense and seven on offense. Uh, but we did lose some key, you know, some key, uh, um, you know, production guys from this last year, and some, you know, uh, you know, we have to replace a quarterback, uh, you know, a great receiver, and then a, you know, very dynamic pass rusher, uh, you know, uh, you know, that that were, were seniors on last year's on last year's squad. But uh, you know, just like we tell our guys, you know, with uh, with the departures of, with the departure of great players, uh, leaves an opportunity for the for the next one to to really emerge and and uh, you know establish himself. And that's one of the things that I think our team. Uh, in general has done a great job of, of, of everybody uh, working to progress to increase their role in the opportunities in front of us. So I thought our spring was great. You know, looking forward to a wonderful summer program, and uh, you're definitely excited about the 2018 season. We'll take questions for Coach Mike Norvell. Again, hit star one on your telephone keypad to, uh, to join the queue, and then the operator will introduce you. We'll go first to Brian Moss with TigersSportReport.com. Hey, Coach, uh, now you have a few years underneath your belt. Um, how are you a different coach than uh, from when the first time you stepped on campus? 
You know, I, I mean, I think just the, the confidence in the in, in the role, the responsibility, uh, you know, the place. I think that uh, you look at uh, how we've been able to recruit the last, you know, our first couple of years, and uh, you know, now guys have having that that experience within our program, and uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's been one of the one of the greatest things because, uh, you know, when I when I you know my first day through the door, uh, you know, I inherited a team that. Uh, uh, you know, we had to get to know each other. We had to build a relationship, and we had to do it at a, at a very rapid pace. You know, now that you have, uh, you know, a group of guys that have that have had the experience, and you know, we've we've either recruited them or we've had a couple of years under our belt of getting to know each other. Um, you know, it, it gives a lot of confidence in the job that I have. Uh, you know, the coaches that uh, are able to help implement the plan and vision, and uh, you know, our, our players. You know, they they they're fully bought into it. So, uh, you know, there's definitely. Uh, been exciting to to see uh, you know you know, in, in every aspect whether it's our coaching staff our players uh, you know uh, you know the, what I've tried to do and grow as a as a as a head coach I mean it's been a it's been a great experience. And the last question is um, everyone knows the established players you know like uh, Patrick Taylor T J Carter but uh, uh, for this spring uh, which players on both sides of the ball that uh, you know under the radar kids that really surprised you this year. You know, I, I think you know defensively, Leandre Thomas. Uh, you know, he was our probably our third corner last year. Um, you know, he was a true freshman that actually played. Uh, it was his first year of ever playing defense. Well, uh, you know, he moved to the free safety position, and I thought he did a great job. Uh, you know, he's a former high school quarterback, and uh, you know, really the leadership and communication that's necessary. Uh, you know, there at the safety spot, uh, you know, was uh, I thought he did a great job of that. Uh, you know, you know, being able to see guys, you know, you know, offense. Defensively, I think Sean Dykes really uh, uh, has had a great, great offseason and development physically, uh, but also just a core understanding of, of what his job is. You know, he had a, he had a big game in the championship game, um, you know, this last year, and you, you know, played a played a good amount. But I think that he's he's positioned himself with with Joey Magnifico to to give us you know one of the top tandems at the tight end position, uh, you know you know, possibly in the league here this next year. And so, um, you know, those are two guys that uh, I thought did a great job. And, and then, you know, we've been able to, to get guys back in the equation. You know, Jackson Dillon, I think, is, is somebody that, uh, you know, last year was injured in the first game of the season. Um, you know, you, you know, getting him back and, and having him live this spring was, was good. Uh, you know, Sam Kraft will be another another guy that uh, we're excited to, to get back out there here for the fall semester uh, to, because we know that those guys are experienced, you know, and dynamic players. I right, appreciate your time. We'll go next to Mark Narducci with Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey, Coach, can you uh, fill us in on your quarterback situation and, and where it stands? Well, you know, we've had a had a great deal of competition here this this spring, and uh, really been pleased with with how the guys have uh, you know have have approached you know the uh, uh, you know each practice um, you know the, the, the scrimmages. You know, it's always difficult when you're rolling uh, at, at at any given time, we're rolling four different quarterbacks, trying to get the the best look of them in in different situations with different groups, and so uh, at times it can be tough to get a rhythm. Uh, you know, uh, and and you know sometimes you're having to to wait your turn to to get those reps. But you know, I think the guys all approached it extremely well. We were able to evaluate uh, you know every aspect of what we're doing, and uh, you know we're not ready to name a starting quarterback. But I think some guys have emerged as uh, you know as, as guys I think we're going to be able to count on. And so uh, you know we're we're looking forward to seeing how that plays out throughout the summer. Um, 
you know, we've we've been able to add some competition. We have got another quarterback that's coming in, uh, you know, here this summer that's gonna gonna be able to jump into the competition as well. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to what that's gonna how that's gonna play out in fall camp. And uh, but, I, but I feel very confident in the guys we have in that room. Who is the quarterback coming in this summer? Uh, Brady McBride. Okay. He was a high school signee. Gotcha. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. We'll take another question from Dan Tortoro from WakeUpCallT.com. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Doing well, Dan. How about yourself? Doing well. And to kind of go off of what you were just speaking about with the quarterback competition, to speak on the, the talents of Brady White and David Moore specifically and just what you saw from them in the spring. No, I think uh, you know, you know, Brady came in, uh, you know, there at the, right at the beginning of the semester, and uh, you know, I, I really was impressed uh, with the way that he jumped in, getting to know his teammates. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he's got a, he had a lot to learn, and uh, you know, being able to try to process all the information of what we do offensively, and uh, you know, you get the terminology down. Uh, I thought he did a, an exceptional job throughout the spring uh, with his command and control of the offense. Uh, you know he's a he's a very talented young man. He can he can you know throw the ball. He's extremely accurate. Um, you know is is very very smart and in, in understanding checks and and reads and progressions. But uh, uh, you know he also showed off that he you can move a little bit here this uh, this spring. So I thought he had a, he did a great job uh, with his opportunities. And then you know David Moore uh, you know really seen a lot of growth out of him. Uh, yeah, I think you know he, he gained he gained uh, I think almost twenty twenty five pounds here this this off season. Um, you know, just doing a remarkable job with his, with his nutrition, with his overall strength. Uh, you know, that you can see the confidence going into his to his third year. He was able to get some time last year in a in a backup role, and um, you know that that confidence really jumped over into into. You know this spring practice and and what he had, what his job is and what his responsibilities are and you know he's a very talented young man he can make all the throws he's very athletic um you know I think he's got a got a chance to to have a special future as long as he can con- continue with the with the consistency of what he does so uh you know those two guys really uh you know did a very nice job here here in the spring practice with their with their opportunities and then secondly, just what made you come back i mean you've had success the last couple years here with the Memphis Tigers, but just what for you, with your name kind of swirling around with other schools and and opportunities, what made you come back to Memphis? You know, I mean, I really love it here, and I think that uh, you know we have a special opportunity to continue to grow as a as a program. Uh, you know, I think uh, you you look at you know what we've been able to experience our first two years, the uh, the the level which we're able to recruit to, um, you know, the community that's here to support us, the the commitment from our uh, for our administration to continue to progress as uh, to where we want to go has been exceptional, and uh, you know, I believe that this is a, a great place. It's a it's a great fit for me and my family and uh you know we we truly have uh, established a, a a culture here that uh that, that i believe in and that i believe can continue to grow and um you know to keep our program competing at the highest level so uh you know we're excited about uh, about where we're going we're you know obviously we're proud of where, what we've been able to accomplish but uh you know we've got great expectations moving forward thanks mike i appreciate it thank you take one more for coach norvell please we'll take Antonio Castro with Phil Steele Publications. Hi, Coach. Uh, just to kind of piggyback on the wide receiver position, there was there a, was there a guy that kind of uh, stepped up in the spring that 
maybe surprised you and, uh, you know, can kind of take over that role? I know Pollard's there, but another guy besides him, uh, you know, for, to step up with Anthony Miller's loss? Yeah, I mean, I think DeMonte Coxie, uh, Kadarian Jones were two guys that, uh, you know, really did a, a nice job here in, in spring ball. And, uh, yeah, I think both of them are, are deep play, uh, you know, you know, deep, uh, down the field threats, uh, you know, both have exceptional ball skills. And then you have a couple guys like, you know, uh, Pop Williams and, uh, you know, Machine Slade that are kind of smaller in stature, but they're extremely quick and versatile in, in what they're able to do. And so, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought all those guys did a, did a great job. We have a couple of newcomers that, uh, um, you know, I think show that they're going to be able to help us. Antonio Gibson with a, was a junior college transfer and, you know, Trey Hamilton was a young man that redshirted this past year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I feel very confident in the depth that we have and, and what those guys showed uh, that I think we're going to be able to c- continue to, to play at a, at a, at a you know, a really high level at the receiver position and, you know, be able to play with multiple guys. Do, do you think that um, you would shift Dykes at all to outside, just, just a, you know, wide receiver just to get him and Magnifico on the field at the same time? Is that a possibility? You know, we've done we've done a good amount of that, uh, you know, in our in our first couple of years with the two tight end sets, and so uh, that's something we'll definitely uh, continue to look at and uh, you know explore, uh, you know, of, of having our best guys on the field and and still being multiple in what we can do. In 2017, SMU went seven and one in the American during the regular season and ten and three overall, including a 21-20 loss to Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. The Knights beat the Tigers twice. 40-13 during the regular season and 62-55 in double overtime in the American Championship game, both in Orlando. This season, UCF travels to Memphis Saturday, October 13th. Yeah, but no Riley Ferguson at quarterback, and he was quite the star. So, you know, that's the nature of this. Uh, teams are going to turn over players. And I we've think got that several that, of our own that we have to replace. So That has the makings of a, a pretty good rivalry, I think, between UCF and Memphis, if Memphis can keep you know, going. We've had great games with them since, you know, we've way back to the, I guess it was the Conference USA years, right? Because they were in there then. So and our record is way better than theirs, though, I can tell you that. Much in better. The, 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 you know, the the rivalry record, I guess. I don't know if it's a rivalry, but. What's well, a rivalry? They kind of, I mean, yeah. I think every team that we play on a regular basis is some kind of a rivalry. They'll roll off the schedule at some point. Yeah. The West, you know, the way the West rotates. Yeah. Well, surprise, this hasn't been asked before in Ask Nightline. Kansas versus UCF. Who are you going with, Andrew? That's next as Nightline number 150 rolls along. There are so many ways to connect with Nightline. You can like us on Facebook at Nightline Podcast or follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Check out our website at www.ucfnightlinepodcast.com for recruit spotlights, archived episodes, and more. Or, of course, you can always call us at 407-401-9184. That's 407-401-9184. Listen whenever and wherever you are on YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or tune in. Go Knights and charge on! Now, back to Nightline with Andrew and Trace. Time again for Ask Nightline, answering the questions that you pose to us on our Facebook page or via Twitter, hashtag Ask Nightline. Andrew on Facebook, do you think our schedule this season is stronger than last year, all things considered, to keep us in a more relevant discussion for the playoffs? 
I think it's a pretty good schedule. I don't know if it's stronger than what last year's would have been with Georgia Tech in there. But since the hurricane and all that and that game had to be canceled and we had to input uh, Austin P in there and all that stuff. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we have the two power five, you know, teams, which we only played one technically last year. So, yeah, I guess that would make it stronger. I think everybody's just waiting for UCF to stumble somewhere. Yeah. And uh, then they're going to want to bury us. I um, I, I think the only way UCF, UCF's able to stay in that conversation, as discouraging as that is, is they've got to roll the table. Yeah. I mean, I... One one loss, I think, would be well, okay. Well, you lose to Pittsburgh, uh, you've lost them at home. You lose to North Carolina, these are two teams that weren't in It can't games. be either one of those games. It can't be... And I was talking about this earlier today. It can't be FAU. There's no way you can lose that game. And you cannot lose Pittsburgh or North Carolina. Or the Cows. Or the Cows. Those are the ones. So... Or Temple at home and prime time. You can just go through the list of games you don't want to lose. Yeah. There's lots of them. Um, I think, to Andrew's question, a little bit stronger, but UCF's just going to have to keep putting up 48-plus points a game and I rolling along. I would still along. like to see a marquee team in there, a perennial top-10 team. But scheduling, for some reason, can't get that done. So At MD Knight 2016 on Twitter, based on a lot of the season total over-under numbers that have been released, what do you guys think UCF's regular season win total will be? I think we've been asked different variations of this. Uh, it's hard to go 12-0. and 0. I think there's going to be one loss in there at some point. Which one? You I don't, don't know. know right? I have no idea which one it's going to be. But and you I, don't know whether that's a league game or one of the non-cons? I think it would probably be a conference game, personally. Well, I think you know, it's maybe going to come late in the season, and it's going to be a conference game. Again, everything has to go right. It was a great team in 2017, but a lot of things got to go were, right. There were times where, like with the SMU game that we talked about, that he could mentioned have something easily I stumble. Easily yeah. Yeah, stumble. He was talking about drop passes. I mean, you forget. Yeah. If if the cows don't kick to Mike Hughes, how does it, you know, yep. what happens in that game? Yep. And then, of if, course, the miracle with the Memphis game. Yep. I mean, there was things, lots of miracle yeah. moments last year. Yeah. And, and that's, you know. Can you do that? Twice? That's what it takes to to get to thirteen and zero. It takes things like that. It takes players pulling stuff out of their rear end at the very last second, like Mike Hughes did. You know, uh, extremely hard to get to thirteen and zero, yeah. and that's why it does not happen very right. often. And I mean, I again, I just feel bad for Josh Heupel because the expectation on him is is tremendous, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> The um, headline here sets up our next question. Big 12 announces record $364.87 million in revenue, $36.5 million per school. Wow, that's a lot of money. Dwarfs what the American makes and what UCF brings home in TV revenue, which sets up our friend Laura, LBAR87 on Twitter. If you had to choose one, Andrew, it's directed at you. Who would you root for in a national championship game between UCF and Kansas? I'm sorry. The probability is Laura, this. Don't Laura. rack your brain too hard because this is never happening. But Well, I don't know. Well, I think the Kansas part of it's just never. I don't know about no. that. It, they're, I think they're well on their way back with uh, the new AD. But there's so. your hypothetical. Laura has posed it. Laura asks a lot of good questions. Laura, why would you do this to me? Um, Especially if they schedule that home and home down the line. I'd like to see that. Yeah. 
it would be it of course it's hard to root against your alma mater i don't think that that's it is hard it's really hard yeah. to do that a team that you shed blood sweat and tears playing for um <laughs> Come on, Laura's listening. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to go with Kansas, obviously. Oh, but then my again, goodness, it's my alma mater. Ugh. This is UCF is your alma mater. It's not my alma mater. It just happens to be the team that I root for because I live in Florida. I hear the podcast being turned off right now. No, I'm sure. I'm. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But I mean, Twitter if, followers plummeting. <laughs> oh my goodness. I. It's it, hard. It's your. It's, it's my alma mater. It's hard. I mean, and you're, you're you right. You win and lose either way. You're right that that would never happen. Of course, I would. <laughs> I mean, come you back. Know. Start listening again. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Refollow us on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I. That's a I, really difficult question. We've never question. been asked that. Laura. Well, talk. I think it was mentioned at, at one point before i think but it was never asked like that i don't think because we were talking about if uh ucf was going to be in the big 12 and then uh you know if there was a home and home or or whatever all when sports we played them. let me bump the ante all sports ucf plays kansas in basketball uh that's uh, still it's my alma mater we gotta get you I off mean, the hook here it's gotta, my alma mater we gotta move along here to paul on facebook what are your now f- here's the this is the thing though if Kansas, if they did sign a home-and-home and and Kansas came to uh, UCF, I would be wearing my UCF jersey. No question. I would not. I would not go to a a home game at UCF, obviously, and not be wearing UCF colors. That's a school UCF's never played. Obviously, have played Texas. and They uh, played Kansas State a few times, I remember. But never Kansas. I wonder where... We still got to see if we can get an interview on. on well, they play. Uh, they play. Uh, I don't, usually an American team every year, and they they usually play a conference USA team every year and lose. So, <laughs> they, and then they've just that program, the football program, has just gone way, way it downhill. It was good there for a stretch. Yeah. yeah, when I played, we were top ten. Hard to believe. Yeah, now. you know, we be. What are they UCLA doing with thirty six and a half million dollars? Well, they're putting all it. They're putting it all into the basketball well, program. All this talk of well, and well, if UCF played an SEC schedule, give us the same money you give Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Right. Give us thirty six and a half million dollars right. instead of the whatever pittance that the AAC right uh, TV rights deal is. It's ridiculous. Imagine what UCF could do right. from a facilities and a recruiting standpoint. Right. Unbelievable what UCF is able to accomplish with the budgets. And Kansas in the last few years has done a lot. In the last ten years, has done a lot with that money for the facilities. They have a brand new practice field for you know their football program. They built a whole football program building that was never there when I was there and and all that. But they they put a lot of money into that basketball program. Uh, they, they pay a, a lot of money to Bill Self for his coaching job that he does. 6.4% increase from the previous year. Interestingly, behind the SEC and the Big Ten, ahead of the Pac-12 and the ACC and the dollars. And this is the key sentence in this article. It helps there's only 10 members in the conference, which is one reason why the number is so high per school, despite taking in less revenue than, for example, the Pac-12, which did $509 million last year, and the Big 12 did 364 They haven't been in a rush to 
expand because those 10 schools like their enjoying, chunk of change. Yeah, enjoying getting that money. Uh, yeah, the program is just a shambles at, at Kansas. Football, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's very sad, and I, I hate to even talk about it, honestly. All right, Paul on Facebook, I'll give you one a little easier for you, the former defensive player that you are. What are your feelings about going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 defense? Pros and cons for UCF. A lot of questions uh, folks have about UCF's defense. There's pros and cons with both, I guess. Uh, the pros for a 4-3 defense would be stopping the run is, is a little bit easier with your four guys up there than your three guys. Your three guys... You know, there's three guys versus four guys. I mean, that's just, it's very simple as far as that. It, it's but a, not every player is a natural fit for one scheme or the other. Right. It might take a little stretching of their abilities. Some are a little more comfortable in one versus the other. So yeah, several guys and, are having to make the move over something they're not as accustomed to. Right. There's a lot of guys that are going to be, that may have been an outside linebacker in the other system that will be a... Uh, a lineman, a, maybe a stand-up lineman or whatever, you know, going a, a defensive end going around. Basically goes back to the, the years of O'Leary because that was always a 4-3. You had guys like Bruce Miller that probably in a 3-4 defense would have been a linebacker instead of a defensive end. So that's the I think that's the biggest thing. There's one less guy that's not in the backfield because the guy is on the line, but run stopping is a big deal in a a four, three, obviously, but you can do all kinds of things. There's all kinds of formations. And he's never said, Randy Shannon has never said that it would be a pure four, three defense. He said that it would be a hybrid of the two. There would be, you know, different formations. So I'm not so worried about that change. Just, you know, saying four, three versus three, four. A lot of fans say on social media, at least, message boards and the like, that they feel better about Randy Shannon uh, and the staff that has been assembled than the previous defensive staff under Eric Chenander. Of course, remains to be seen. You should. We talked earlier about no coach with more pressure, perhaps, than Josh Heupel uh, coming into the situation he has. Randy Shannon's got a great deal of pressure as well because fans are going to be looking is, to him. His defenses are pretty are known to be pretty stout, though. So I don't think that he would do anything different here. I'm not horribly worried about that. I mean, I have said at times that I that I was worried about that, and you have a lot of guys to replace on that defensive line, but with one extra guy being up there, that's a little easier as well. At Stetson underscore 1883 on Twitter, who, by the way, on his Twitter handle, he's a UCF and Stetson alum. So he's got reason with baseball to be happy. Well, he says, how has little old Stetson been to 19 regionals and now host a regional and UCF can't get their stuff together? Think and discuss. And let me throw in at Golden Knight underscore the second on Twitter, switching gears from football, which I mostly follow. When do you think our baseball team will get out of the rut it's been in for years? The up and down inconsistencies on winning big games, then losing easy Win, then, then losing easy wins has been difficult to stomach. Uh, to both questions, I and I asked, I, I, I spoke back and forth with Stetson underscore eighteen eighty three. There's not a they have football at Stetson, but but baseball is a, a big deal and has been for a very long time. You talked about Kansas. Kansas is a basketball school first, right? We're going to play North Carolina in football. North Carolina is a basketball school first. UCF is a football school 
first. Maryland is a football is a basketball school first, and we played them last year. And so I, I'm not trying to make excuses for the 35 and 21 season or UCF not hosting regional. I, the talent is out there, um, and I agree that this is a program that you want to see do better and do better in regionals and conference tournaments and the like. But baseball is not the number one priority at UCF. It's football. It's uh, the train that drives everything. It's where most of the fundraising is occurring around. It's where your facilities upgrades are occurring around. And that's just the reality of it. Uh, And I don't know if that's a fair rationale for it, but baseball is not the number one priority at UCF. And dollars flow based upon the revenues that the sports generate. And football still is the one that generates the most revenue and gets the most attention. So when you're Stetson, you you can focus on baseball. Right? I mean, they're at a Division two level in football, and, and more power to them, and, and good for them, but they're not competing in the same realm. So their dollar distribution is different. Their priorities are different. Private school, go. and it's just different. Yeah. And I don't think that's an excuse. I think UCF fans are right to expect more out of the baseball program than what was seen last year. But I think if you go back and listen, I think you owe it to yourself, whether you're a big baseball fan or not, listen to the candidness of Greg Lovelady. When he when he talks about this, I have faith that Lovelady can turn this around. I I, I mean he did the first year that he was here. Uh, you know he he needs to obviously work on doing a little bit of recruiting, you know, and getting the right guys here. But uh, I think he can do it. At uh, Capped V E G E one on Twitter, I'd love to see by percentage just who is really making comments arguing against the national championship claim. I'm willing to bet it's something like. 80% Bama, 15% Kyle's fans, 3% random SEC fans, 2% other. I think there's a I, – I see where he's going with the percentages, and I don't know. I'd, I'd have to sit down and do some hypothetical math on that. I certainly think Alabama fans are outraged, but I think their SEC brethren are all with them on this. And uh, certainly Cal fans. We talked about it last week. Alabama fans know they didn't beat Auburn, and that sticks at them. Cal fans are just jealous, period. Yeah. That they've been ups, uh, overshadowed by UCF, and then and then I think you have some of these others like the Boise State fans. I don't know why they're popping off. Yeah. So it was interesting to ask the SMU uh, the beat writer that joined us, saying that um, you know it's good to hear from his perspective right. in covering SMU that they're on board again. If not UCF, don't you want it to be one of the other American schools? I mean, you don't want it to be Florida Atlantic, really, right? right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, I don't, you know, I want Boise to lose to UConn, but if Boise beats in Oklahoma, eh, good for Boise, right. you know, but I want UCF to be ahead of Boise. It doesn't I mean I want Boise G5, to fail. The G5 should stick together. I mean, against, you know, the rest of this uh, power, whatever you want to call it. I told at Matt underscore right 32 that I had no idea how to answer his question, but he asked if we were on Anchor. Yeah, Anchor's a standalone thing. They want you to um, transfer all your hosting over there. It's free, supposedly. I I submitted our RSS feed to them, so I guess if... it's it's no different than than what we're doing, so I, I don't think it would put us anywhere else. So it's I submitted to them if they want to carry our show. Yes, you're the technical <laughs> guy, and I'm not much of a gamer, so I'll ask you at Mr. Nightman underscore on Twitter who says I'd suggest talking about a need for a good community centered customizable football simulation, and how Madden and any lack of college or semi pro offering <laughs> just doesn't cut it. Well, Mr. Nightman, I know personally, and he works on this uh, this new. Uh, football game that they're doing and and I will have him on I I meant to actually contact him 
I'm sorry. I'll I'm have you not much on of to a talk gamer. about what, this. What is he talking about? There's uh, a for new the, for the, those of us that don't understand. So NCAA and EA Sports, the NCAA football game that was kind of like Madden went away a few years ago because of all kinds of different reasons. But there's not been a college uh, game right. since then. I think it was 2014 that it went away. It was when the the players like somebody was upset that they were using their likeness and all that stuff. So Mr. Nightman uh, on Twitter and a group of, of people that he works with have put out this game on PC that I know of that I've played it on. It's called Axis football. Okay. And it's good. It's a great game and it, it goes back to that and it has colleges and you can you can do all kinds of, uh, you can import stadiums, you can import teams, you can put all the names and make Does the it look players. Good? It looks like the Madden stuff? Yeah, it looks great. In fact, it, they're working on it to make it even look better. They've got, you know, announcers that we're familiar with on there. It, it's really going to be cool, so you should check that out. I believe that you can get it on Steam if you play games on Steam on the PC or, or whatever. We will have him on to talk about that at some point. I meant to get him on when I saw this, and I didn't, and I apologize for that. But we will have you on, and we will talk about your game, because it's it's cool. It is. I don't have a lot of time is, to play games. But can I look at it? How do I look at it? Uh, you could maybe Google search Axis Football. A A-X-I-S. Axis football. Yeah. Right, but it's 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 very cool and, and you know, yeah, absolutely. It's it's super cool. All right. Final one, uh, Ian at Ian Hardos on Twitter. Boy, a little bit of a jokester playing off this cargo shorts thing from last week. What items do you keep in your cargo shorts and have you ever used them to smuggle anything into the game? I cannot neither confirm or deny <laughs> that, that, that anything has ever been smuggled. I would never do that. <clears throat> I don't know about that. Yeah, but of course. Of course, something's been smuggled in. All right, so I... I Sunglasses? Have, go, I, go I right put in my there. wallet in my front pocket. I never put it in the back. I don't like sitting on it, and it's easy to be pickpocketed. Okay. So I never wear it. I never put it in the back. Well, now you've told everybody that they're going to be <laughs> reaching in your front pocket. I don't Remember. think that's going to occur. And my keys, and the work cell phone, and the personal cell phone. And that's the extent of what's being carried in pockets. Well, there's all kinds of things, though, that you need to take to a football game, especially now that they, you have to carry everything supposedly in this clear bag and all that stuff. But, like, I wouldn't ever go to a football game at UCF in Florida for, I mean, you know, all together without having a poncho. So I always have one of I always have a poncho. You can put beer in in your you can put beers and cans in your in your cargo pockets. I've been well known to do that. They have not tailgating. checked you uh, going in. Well, I'm not saying beer. in, but I mean around when oh, you're tailgating yeah. and stuff. It's always you're drinking one beer, and it's always good to have another one in your pocket. <laughs> uh, sunglasses, you know, suntan lotion, sunscreen. I mean, you know, I mean everybody needs to carry their sunscreen. All kinds of things. You can have your uh, pocket football guide with uh, of all the numbers and players and stats and okay. stuff like that. Clearly, this has to with two weeks and the cargo shorts discussion. I don't uh, think is that UCF it probably the P5 will. Who as at is UCF and the P five yet posted a photo of cargo shorts in a department store of some sorts this week, Why? saying, "Just look at the horror of this." I'm wearing You're shorting short, them, I'm, aren't you? Well, I'm, these don't have the cargo pockets on them, so I don't think can, 
they would really be considered cargo shorts. But I'm I, I like I said last week I bought two more pairs. So my football season every day. can't get here quick enough. That's it. That's enough on the cargo shorts. There can't possibly be another question. <laughs> well, you know by saying that that there's going to be. You know that, right? No, there can't there's yes. nothing else to talk yes. about on this. Somebody We've will talked come up about with... what to why we wear them and what to put in Somebody them. will come up with something no. about the size of the pockets or something. You know they will. That may be a personal question, but anyway. All right. <laughs> Remember send in those questions. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. And uh, maybe, just maybe, we'll answer your non-cargo short related questions. And you can follow me personally on Twitter as well. I don't even know what my handle is, though, so I have to look that up real quick. It'd be a little bit of a challenge to promote that. Yeah, I think, uh, oh, I, I think it has something to do with Nightline. I think I've made my username something like that. Hell, come on, Twitter. You know, here. while you're looking that up, how about this uh, Philadelphia 76ers general manager with all of the um, Twitter accounts that they say he's been posting or someone in his family has been posting about uh, players and other executives in the league, and he denies it, but an investigation is underway. What is this? The general manager of the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, the NBA. Oh, uh, yeah. Several he's, Twitter accounts that he's, he's, he's been a, linked to. He's and, a loudmouth, too, right? So. Isn't he kind of a controversial... I, I don't have time for multiple Twitter accounts. Jack Wagon. All right, uh, it's my personal Twitter account is at AP underscore Nightline. So follow me. You never know. There might be some stuff on there that would be different than that I post on the Nightline account. And I only have like uh, 40 followers or something like that. So I need I need people to follow me. 53. It's up. 54. Yeah, well, 55, there it one. goes. There it goes now. <laughs> yeah, so I will follow you back and... Uh, yeah, we can talk about stuff that maybe that's not Nightline worthy. And now, news and notes from the world of UCF sports. Women's basketball schedule pairings announced for the 2018-19 season. UCF welcomes UConn and the Cows, two of the best draws. Men's basketball. Oh, boy. Men's Basketball Central Florida Cable Communications and CEO Kevin Galt and President Robert Cohn pledged $350,000 to help enhance basketball operations through the UCF Men's Basketball Excellence Fund. I'm not sure that I knew there was one of those until I read that. I knew there was the Football Excellence Fund. Hmm. The gift brings UCF Athletics fundraising tally to $80 million for the university-wide Ignite campaign. Athletics goal $85 million in a campaign that kicked off in 2016, runs into 2019. University's goal is $500 million, so athletics is just five mil short. Well, that's good. That's, that's great. And finally, yet another national championship for UCF. Congrats to the UCF's video and creative services team named Outstanding Program Series for Collegiate Athletics at the College Sports Media Awards, UCF's winning entry, Nightflix, which documented the 2017 Knights football season. Absolutely awesome. Those things are good. Uh, they've been doing an incredible job with that stuff. I look forward to that stuff uh, every you know week. They do a great job there. It's really, really stepped up in the last couple of years. And they've really taken social media by storm. You know... You put it in comparison to something like the great work done by NFL Films. Uh, this was excellent quality. Right. It captured emotion, uh, ups and downs, and the joy of the 2017 season. So that's a well-deserved honor. Again, showing UCF head and shoulders above 
the rest of college sports. All right, this has been Nightline 150. I'm Andrew Fegley. I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights! Charge on!